Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. One of the things that we've talked about, Dr. Caparucci, is this idea of blind spots, you know, like things that, well, we were just talking about it, kind of like, I didn't see how I hurt this person, or I didn't see how I let them down, or I didn't see how unavailable I was. Those, I guess, are blind spots in terms of like concrete things. But you have a very interesting and organized way of looking at blind spots. So first, I have to ask you, what is a blind spot for me as a recovering addict? And can you give me a couple of examples? Yeah, a blind spot is a characteristic that has not been fully developed that winds up causing me not to be able to emotionally connect and bond with others, or they cause havoc in my relationship. So example, one we've already talked about, and that was the avoiding emotional pain and discomfort. I can't sit with the pain. Uh, But another one is the lack of curiosity. And I'm not talking about the lack of curiosity when it comes to things of interest. You may be very interested in politics or science or sports, and you can be very curious. We're talking about curiosity with people that you will not drill down to try to understand more about somebody. Well, as an addict, I want to know how I can manipulate them, how I can use them, how I can get them to desire me, how I can get their attention, and how I can get them to think I'm great. Is that not what you mean? You just went to another blind spot, Ah. Dr. Rob, and that is inwardly focused, Ah. selfish. Okay, Mm -hmm. that is it. We are inwardly focused. And if you think about it, if I did not go through those stages of childhood development and I was not emotionally taught how to be emotionally engaged, Mm -hmm. you know what? I got to feel like I have to do everything myself. I have to do it all for me. There's nobody there for me. So I become Mm -hmm. very inwardly focused and we wind up exhibiting the same behavior you just talked about. I'm going to wind up manipulating. I'm going to wind up, you know, deceiving in order to get what I want. The other, another blind spot is hypersensitive. People Mm -hmm. are very hypersensitive to rejection. People are hypersensitive to criticism or being falsely accused. In any of those areas, they just can't manage If someone is trying to gently correct them, Mm -hmm. instead they run to the extreme with it and become frustrated, angry, 
irritable, or they will just shut down and withdraw from someone. Well, you're really talking about what defines narcissism, which is you're giving people a really neat label for can't tolerate criticism, has to be the center of attention, is not empathic to other people, needs to be right thinks you're on my side or, or on the other side. You're, there's never blend between the two. These are real signs of, it's interesting because people say all the time, what does narcissistic mean? And I think my husband or wife is, you're describing it, aren't you? No, I think I am because I do mm-hmm. believe with everyone who struggled with addiction that there is some, they have strong narcissistic tendency. Would mm-hmm. you agree? That's where the wounds are. I was wounded in my whole sense of self. And I don't act right in the world because of it. I've just sort of figured it out. And by the way, I did want to say, because we haven't mentioned it, we talk about early wounds and abuse and neglect. It isn't just what happens to you. It's what you see. You know, we learn watching our, our, our caregivers, our parents, how do they treat each other? How do they communicate with each other? How do they love each other? How do they work out conflict? You, those of you who have kids, your kids are watching, and they're watching everything, whether you're four or 14. And I think that's another way that we don't get an understanding of what we need. We don't get it individually, and we don't see it. Very true. Very true. And the, but Mylon Yerkovich in the book, um, How We Love, he said that where do we learn to love? We learn to love in our family of origin. It is there. What we see or don't see that winds up having a major influence and impact on us. So therefore, and I hear the story over and over again, good parents, good people, but you know what they are? They're doers. Okay. Mm. My dad coaches my baseball team. My mom cooks amazing Mm. meal. She takes care of the house, but they can't remember, those same people can't remember anyone putting their arms around them, mm. saying how much I love you, or saying, wow, that was a great job you did. They have no memory whatsoever of emotional bonding happen. Well, it sounds like emotional neglect. It, it is, but you have mm-hmm. to remember that in some cases, the parents are loving the best they can because Mm -hmm. they don't know they were emotionally neglected themselves. You know, I really appreciate your saying that because I am not a parent basher Mm -hmm. and I don't believe in pointing fingers in that way. And so I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I I think far too often, and this is very pro-dependent, that uh, parents, well, codependent people will say, oh, it's my fault. My child ended up this way. I was a terrible parent, whatever. And the truth is what you're saying, which is, I absolutely believe that the people who raised me gave me everything they had to give. It just isn't what I needed. And they gave me everything they tried to give, and they did their best wherever they were in life. But I needed different things, and I needed more things, and they couldn't do that. And I think that kind of, and I'm offering all of you that viewpoint, because if you just say, you know, if, if Dr. Caparucci and I are just saying, well, they were bad people, and they hurt you, and that's not it. Um, or saying, you know, I'm going to hate them and feel better about myself. We have to have compassion for those people too, um, because they were doing their best. And I want you all to understand that doing good therapy doesn't mean figuring out how horrible the people were who raised you. It's about figuring out uh, what did I learn and not learn? 
What did I need and not get? Um, how did what did I see and not see that I'm bringing into my own life? And I wanted to say that because I know that you too are not a parent basher. You're not interested in looking back and saying they did this to you. And I think also, and I'm not going to say good point because I don't want to feed into your ego again. But I'm going to no, say feel this. free anytime. <laughs> that was a good point, but you know what? You're talking about the idea of what you didn't get. But even for those who got what they shouldn't have gotten, mm. which is different types of abuse, okay, we can still at some point after evaluating what went on with those parents, take the opportunity when we are done to be able to look and have empathy and compassion for perhaps what they went through in their childhood. Mm-hmm. Yes, should they have broken the cycle? Yes, they should have. All right, should they have made different changes than, than what their parent did? Yes, they should have. But sometimes that doesn't happen. So you're right. We don't want to be in the business of bashing parents. But I look at it as I say, I want to hold them accountable. I'm going to throw them under the bus, but then I'm going to pull them out and I'll put them back on that pedestal for you. Well, it's interesting you mentioned emotional uh, about doers, because I think that's such an important point about trauma is that I, I can't tell you how many folks show up at Seeking Integrity or wherever they go to treatment. They say, you know what? I, I didn't have a bad childhood. I mean, I, I, my, my mom was always around. My dad, you know, uh, put food on the table. He went to my games. You know, my mom worked and brought me to work and I got to learn about it. They came to help me with my homework. You know, so I, ha- I didn't have a bad experience at all. And what they're really doing is protecting the bad experience by just mm-hmm. looking at, at the doer things. They did this, they did that, and saying, well, that's all I needed. I got what I needed. But it isn't the doer things that you really, I mean, doer things are good. You do want to be fed. You do want to have a safe place. To, you know, you do want your folks to help with your homework. But, but that's, not, that's not what you're talking about. That's doing. What are you talking about? Uh, what's different than doing? What would I want? The other side is to be emotionally expressive and available. It is taking your kid and putting them on your lap Mm. and just sitting there and talking to them. When they're upset and they're crying that you are more there to comfort versus, oh, let me just clean this and put a Band-Aid on it, but let's talk about the pain that you're feeling and how that's bothering you right now. Yes, because if you have a cut and I say, look how you went out there and cut yourself again, I'm so sick of putting, you go upstairs to your room and think about what you just did. I don't even learn. Wow, I hurt myself. Wow, I have pain. Wow, people are going to come and comfort me when I have pain. The basics of that just tell me I did it wrong by getting hurt in the first place. Yeah, I, I have a I have a client or I had a client who he had those parents who were doers. They were amazing doers. But <laughs> let me show you how bad they were on the other side of emotional discomfort. One day, his dog runs out into the street, gets hit by a car. He goes out there, runs to the dog. The dog is dead. He's oh. laying in the street. His parents come out on the front porch, look at him and say, oh, we're very sorry. And then they turn and they go back inside. 
They leave him to bury the dog. Oh. They leave him to clean up the blood on the street. Oh. And so then he comes back home and goes into the house. He goes into his room. About three hours later, mother comes, knocks on the door. He's thinking, oh, now she's going to talk to him. And she goes, do you want dinner? Right. That's what we're talking about. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. Well, and I'll add another point to that, which is when, you know, parents who think they're doing right when they come, oh, I'm going to give that kid another dog. That'll make him feel better. So the kid comes in and him just buried their dog and they say, oh, we're really sorry that happened. We're going to get you. We're going to go out and get another dog next week. And that's the solution. But something's missing. That's a doer family, right? That's a doer family. Yes. And what's missing? The fact that this kid is pained mm-hmm. by the fact that he's lost his dog and maybe even traumatized that he saw it get hit. Of course. But nobody's going to be talking about that. They just want to brush it under the rug because we don't want to deal with emotion. Instead, we'll fix it. Let me go get you an ice cream mm-hmm. and you'll feel better. I had another client when I was dealing uh you know, with uh, alcohol and drug addict in a residential treatment program, who this woman, she was very obese. Why was Mm. she obese? Because her mother was a rager, screaming Mm. constantly, oh, criticizing. Dad sat back, never did anything until it was all done. And then he'd say, honey, come on, let's go. And he'd take take her for a ride, and they'd go get ice cream. Or And then he'd stop at the store and bring donuts and other stuff home to comfort him. Well, what you're talking about is minimizing pain. I mean, my yes. mother used to go to the psychiatric hospital, kicking and screaming naked down the street with an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And my dad would say, well, mom's not feeling well. Yeah. You know, I said, wait a minute. I just saw they take, you know, mom's running down the street naked and you're telling the mom doesn't, and the ambulance came and you're not really telling me. And boy, was that something we grew up with, which, Mm -hmm. you know, kids aren't really adults. So you don't want to tell them anything really that's true because you might upset them. So what did a kid do with that though? Right. If there's a disconnect going on, mom's not feeling good. And she's running down the street half naked. What, What do you do with it? Well, I know what I did, and I'll tell you mm. exactly. I went and I hid under the bed, mm. and and my family couldn't. I was three and a half years old. They couldn't find me. And, of course, while I was hiding in the bed, I was terrified. Mm. And 45 minutes, an hour later, they finally found me under the bed, and guess what they said? How could you hide like that? What were you doing under the bed? Don't you know how long we've looked for you? And, of course, my mother had just been taken away in an ambulance. So, yeah, I, I think... Uh, sorry, I don't mean to tell my own stories, but I'm trying to point out the examples of how even in the most troubled families where you think there would be deep compassion for their kids, they're just, uh, what would you call it this missing? Because I'm running out of Obli- Oblivious. That's right. what I call it. I call it oblivious. Uh, but they don't mean to be? No, they don't. They're good people. They're good people. That's why what I'm trying to do with this new book is mm. wake people up. 
wake them up to say, hey, you know what? Yes, your parents may have been oblivious and you may have been oblivious for this period of time, but you no longer have to be oblivious. You know the the thing I'm really hearing a lot about, uh, Dr. Rob, and people read this book? It's not even so much that they're looking at it and saying, oh my gosh, my gosh, I can't believe my parents let that happen. Instead, (laughs) they're saying, I can't believe I'd let this happen to my kids. Mm -hmm. And now, now, now they're starting to look to say, I got to start making changes. And I, as I tell them, I go, it's never too late to start making changes. And the more compassionate I am about what happened to me and who did it to me, the more, you know, it's interesting. And I'm going to move on a second. You said oblivious. And I thought, yeah, I'm a, as long as I'm oblivious to the pain that I went through, I can be oblivious to causing my spouse or, or my family pain and not even see it. So true. So I want to ask you two more questions. Is there anything else on your list of 14 emotionally underdeveloped, underdeveloped, I think I'm underdeveloped, emotionally underdeveloped issues? Is there one you want to focus on or bring up that really rings your bell today or is just on your mind? There is one. Hide and lie syndrome. They're hiding and they're lying. Hide and go seek with you as an adult. <laughs> so what do they do? They learn again. These are all coping mechanisms. I learn because when I'm around people, I usually get get in trouble or something goes wrong. So I learn to fade into the background. I learn to go hide under my bed. Okay, mm-hmm. I w- don't want to be discovered. I want to be that invisible child. Or I also learn that, you know what, lying doesn't pay any dividend. Because if I tell the truth, if I did something wrong, I get in as much trouble as I did if I would have lied about it. So you Mm -hmm. know what, keep lying and maybe I get away with it. So I'm sorry, you meant to say that lying does produce benefits. Is that what you mean? Yes, it winds up, it does wind up producing benefits, yeah. So therefore they take that into their adult world. And again, for a person who's an addict, this is you know a great coping mechanism that we have. We're going to try to keep stay low key that people don't really find us, or and or we will wind up lying at every and at every interval in order to protect ourselves from getting in trouble. You know, Dr. Caparucci, there's a question that I ask every guest, and it's a it's not a trick question. It's just one that you don't always expect. And the question is, there are so many people out there who may never make therapy. Their insurance says they might have two sessions or no sessions, or maybe they don't have insurance, or they're working two jobs and take care of kids and they don't have time to do something like therapy. How do you, you know, you've talked a lot about trauma. You've talked a lot about child abuse. You've talked a lot about working through deeper issues. How do you do that if you're just not really going to make it to quote unquote therapy? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there's two things that you can do. One is you can do a lot of uh, self-reflection and learning. There's so many blogs and articles and books and all these things that are available, many all for free. But two, or podcasts such as this, but two, I would be turning to support groups. I would be getting into a group such as SA, where we could do maybe a 12-step program. There are many types of resources like that that are... Well, there's SAA, SCA, and there's endless, right, Porn Addicts Anonymous. 
Yes, many of them. And so that's what I would be doing. I'd be trying to learn on my own by listening to podcasts, by reading articles on blogs, things like that, and then going to the group and sometimes bringing some of this information with you to there so that you could talk about it and discuss it among other people. And I agree with you that being with your own people, you know, some folks go to those 12-step meetings and they say, oh, I'm not like those people. (laughs) And of course, they're looking at the most troubled person in the room, as opposed to looking for the people who will like them. And uh, that's where you're going to find your healing in people who've gone through, because you'll see some role models. You'll see some people who are where you want to get to. And I do think that those are places where a lot of healing, and let's face it, a lot of alcoholics never go to therapy. But those steps, if you really pay attention to them and you make them a, a direction for life, they will answer these problems for you, at least in the way that you live your life. But, you know, you didn't mention spouses. Of course, we often forget them. Where would a spouse go to get support if they don't have the resources for what they're going through? I would take them down the same pathway. You know, Mm -hmm. again, it's podcasts such as yours. There's other blogs that are out there. And there are many support groups that are available for for women also, for Mm -hmm. those who have been betrayed. So, again, the same thing that works for those who have, you know, have the addiction, or they're also available for those who have been betrayed. Dr. Caparucci, you have so many resources that are within your world that you can talk about. And so I have two requests. One is that you go slow because people may be writing things down or trying to get the information that, you know, they're, they're sitting at their computer. And the other thing is I'd really appreciate it if you just briefly mention what you're doing on sex and relationship healing, because, you know, one of the reasons that we connect and have a relationship is because you volunteer and you give of your time, and you work directly with folks free on SRH. So can you just mention that, and then I'm going to ask about all the other ways people can reach you. I volunteer in two ways. Uh, One, what I do is for the residential program, is I present to those individuals usually twice a month, I do one presentation based on the inner child model and the unresolved childhood pain point. And then also I do one based on the blind spot that we've been talking about here. Plus what we've also done is we've created an inner child workshop program Mm -hmm. and the initial program launched about three weeks ago. Uh, Actually, we're going to have our fourth week uh, tomorrow, and that's the program that hopefully we'll be taking off and we'll be expanding that as we move forward. So you're talking about work that you do on Seeking Integrity, and I I do want to ask, why would someone want to take an inner child workshop when their whole life is falling down around them? Again, it goes back to the idea of why. Why do I think, feel, and act the way I do? And that's what this inner child program does. It's about self-reflection to understand what are your pain points, what are the triggers of those pain points, and then how can you effectively manage those? Well, let me say to all of you who are listening that there isn't a client at Seeking Integrity that I have had who doesn't think that Dr. Caparucci is amazing. I mean, I come in on Monday morning like, oh, he did that lecture this weekend, and boy, he was, I mean, truly, I want you to know that. So I want everybody who's listening, uh, well, hey, you do the work, you know, you, you deserve the credit. 
But um, I just want to make sure that you have so many resources of your own. You have books, you have, you know, stuff online. You have, how do people find you? How would they email you? How would they learn about your own courses and work? Can you run that down for folks and take your time so they can write it down if they want to? Yes. Uh, for those who want to learn more about the whole inner child model, they can go to www.innerchild sexaddiction.com. Again, that's innerchild-sexaddiction.com. There's a lot of information in there about on that site about the inner child uh, model. But there's also an online program, a 12-week program that I developed for those people that we were talking about before who may not have the financial resources to be able to uh, go to therapy. And what I've done is I priced that for what is the cost of less than two sessions. So that's mm-hmm. something they can look for. There's a website, www.strugglingmen.org. Mm-hmm. And that website is focused on the idea of why men struggle to love mm-hmm. and talks about what uh, a lot of the blind spot that we talked about here today. And finally, if anyone wants to purchase my book, they're available exclusively on Amazon. Just go in, type in Caparucci, and they will all come up for you. And can you just give us again the name of the most recent book? Because it's my favorite at the moment. Yes, it is Why Men Struggle to Love Overcoming Relational Blind Spots. Well, Dr. Caparucci, I love you unabashedly, and I have no problem saying that. And you and I have the opportunity to give to people's lives, and many of them, as you and I talked about, will never meet. And that is part of the big gift. So I'm so glad we get to share that together. Would you be willing to come back? Oh, absolutely. Anytime. I'm really glad. Folks, um, I look forward to talking to you again real soon, probably in one click away. And thank you for joining us. We will be doing this more uh, right away. Bye for now. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our treatment center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best, most useful, short-term, effective, intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chemsex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at Rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.